morning, church. Good morning. Let's begin with a word of prayer. <coughs> Thank you, dear Lord, that we can gather here to hear your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would bless us with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, help us to understand what it is to truly be thankful. Lord, let your word guide us in learning how to do that. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to start out with a verse that probably we all know, and I would like us to read it together. We don't usually do that, but I think it's good for today for us to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, all together. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who long to Amen. You see, uh, uh, here in America, we have a day that focuses on being thankful. Thanksgiving. We're about to celebrate this holiday. And I really like Thanksgiving. I like the, the good food that we have uh, once a year. You know, candied yams and, and uh, the cranberry sauce and the apple pie all together. And the family that's together, you know, I love the family time. And, and the food, the mashed potatoes and the turkey and the, the ham. And, and the warmth of being inside. And then again, the food, the, the dessert. It's so good. I love it. And I love the first half and the second half of Thanksgiving. This is a little miserable. Uh, because I've eaten too much. But a good holiday. And we gather together to celebrate thankfulness from what God gives us. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about our holiday and how we celebrate it, Thanksgiving. You know, it's kind of like we express our thanks uh, by eating way more than we should. Or uh, by consuming way more than what we need. That's what we look forward to on Thanksgiving. Oh, we're going to eat a bunch of food. And then we watch football. Or we hang out with family. When we eat more. Now, my point is not to make us feel guilty because we eat so much on Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't mean that at all. I just want us to put thankfulness into perspective. And to do that, I think we need to see what God's Word is telling us. I think if I were to put it all together in, in a phrase, I would say that to be truly thankful, we need to make sure that we are not absorbing without appreciating. Not absorbing without appreciating. Or to put it another way, to be thankful, we need to make sure that we are not consuming without comprehending. No. Consuming without comprehending. Now, when I was coming up with these, uh, I, I was on a roll. I thought, man, I'll go down through the alphabet and uh, think of one for each letter. I've got the first two letters under control. And then this morning I was reading back through it and realized, 
That's not the first two letters. I forgot B. <laughs> you guys, I'm not that good of a creature. You guys are lucky enough that my, my words actually make sense and that they're real, let alone uh, line up the letters of the alphabet. I need to use this. Okay. Evidently my microphone didn't even, maybe, maybe it just went off, maybe the battery is dead. Yep, battery's dead. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I'm using the manual of the microphone. So, being thankful, absorbing without appreciating, and consuming without comprehending. Now, I know, I know, we tell God thank you for the mashed potatoes and gravy. Right? We bow together and, and we pray for that. But I think overall, when dealing with human beings, with people, there's a whole lot more absorbing and consuming than there is appreciating and comprehending. <clears throat> Let me read you a story about a Samaritan feller who understood the caliber of a miracle that was performed on him, and then he appreciated the one who performed this miracle. Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This true story, this account that is told here in the book of Luke, starts out with ten men, ten of them, all stricken with leprosy. And they're crying out, crying out for help. It seems that they... Uh, recognize that Jesus is someone who can maybe help them. They cry out to Jesus, come heal us. And then Jesus, uh, he tells them to go to the priest. The priest. And, and then, then they went. Now it sounds like all ten of these fellas, all ten of them have faith. right? It, it, Jesus, uh, First of all, they knew Jesus was somebody special, and they cried out to him. And then Jesus uh, told them to go to the priest, and they followed Jesus' command.
commands to go. It sounds like they have faith. But you know, sometimes when we are desperate, man, we'll try anything. And when, when it works, oh, maybe we consider it luck, or maybe we just don't comprehend it at all. And we just decide something good happened, we just leave it alone, we don't look back. Something good happened. It is what it is. You know, this part of the story, Jesus told them to go. I think it's important for us to realize that as they went is when they were healed. In the going, when God tells us to do something, when we hear Jesus telling us to go or to do this, and we've asked God for something totally different, it's the best idea to just go ahead and do what God's telling you to do. In the going... As they went, they were healed. And they were all, all probably pretty excited. As they went to the priest, but the one, the one was different. They head off to the priest, the ten of them, but one comes back. This one, in the end, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Listen, the other nine, they got healed from leprosy. But number ten, he got healed from sin. Nine of them absorbed and consumed the healing. They were excited and glad to be healed of leprosy. And they took the healing and they ran. They were excited to get back to their own normal lives. Now that they didn't have leprosy anymore, they could be part of their families. They could go back to work. They could be involved in social activities and live in town now. Life for them is back to the way it once was before leprosy. And they were excited about it. And they went and they ran and they did not look back but number 10. He comprehended that this was a great miracle. And this Jesus fellow who performed it, he must be working God's power. Because you notice that when he came back, he was praising God. He said, praise God. And then he fell to the ground and worshipped Jesus. And this is what he came back for. Now, my imagination tends to put pictures with the stories that I read. And so I can just imagine ten of these fellows with leprosy. Jesus tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. Scripture says they aren't instantly healed, so they're like, okay, we'll try it. And ten of them are, are walking, and as they're walking to the priest, uh, all of a sudden their skin, where it used to be... Uh, gone almost, and, and torn, and open, and however horrible the disease of leprosy affects you, all of a sudden it starts to heal up, and it starts to come back, and, and they're looking, I've got my skin back to normal, I think the ten of them, they're probably speeding up, 
to go to the priest. Look, I'm refreshed. I'm good. I can join society again. Except for one. One starts to hang back. Number ten. He slows down. Let's the other nine go ahead because he realizes what just happened. Something amazing. People don't just get healed of leprosy. And especially not just nine people all at once that one man says, go, tell the priest you're clean. And so he turns around and he also starts to run. But he's running back to the source of healing. The Samaritan fellow, he did a good job of showing thanks. He comprehended the caliber of situation, and he turned back to show appreciation. And when he got to Jesus, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. You think, well, Jesus already... Uh, healed him of leprosy while he went and now he's come back and Jesus says your faith has healed you is, is this two healings Jesus says faith that you have has healed you this number 10 man from Samaria gets healing more than just leprosy the others, oh, they're good physically now. But number 10, he's good eternally now. Makes me think of 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. This verse says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises, tell everyone about his wonderful deeds, exult in his holy name, rejoice you who worship the Lord, search for the Lord and for his strength, continually seek him. This verse is, is packed full of what being thankful is all about. You know, this verse here... Uh, let the world know. Uh, tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. It reminds me of another Samaritan. A Samaritan woman whom Jesus comes across. She is trying to get water out of a well in the heat of the sun. And Jesus tells her everything that she had ever done. And at that point, she ran and told the whole town, come and see, come back to Jesus, come and see the Messiah who told me everything that I ever did. If we're to be thankful, if we're to give thanks to the Lord, then it looks like we'll be letting the world know what he has done for us. That we'll be telling everyone about his wonderful deeds. And the last part, continually seeking Him. The first Samaritan, the, the number 10 fellow with leprosy, he sought Jesus. 
Now, first he sought Jesus with nine other guys when they called out to Jesus. And then he sought Jesus as he did what Jesus said, but apart from the other nine, he turned and he continued to seek Jesus as he went back to thank him and appreciate him. You know, this is a big part of expressing gratitude to God. Big part spreading the good news that we know. You know, a statistic that we could we could say, uh, oh, 2,000 years ago, uh, 9 out of 10 folks fail to give thanks even when something absolutely great happens to them. 9 out of 10 fail to give thanks. Now, even though that's, that's probably still true today, probably we would see the same kind of uh, numbers today, I think you and I, if you're here today, you and I would say that... Uh, that when the absorbing and the consuming comes easy, so does the appreciating and comprehending. I mean, when I have a, a big old plate of food right in front of me, I can be thankful for that. Uh, when life is going well, when uh, my job is, is working out, my family is together, uh, it's easy to be thankful, to give thanks to God when things are going well. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, you guys read it, says in all circumstances, all circumstances. You know, on, on Sunday mornings, I try to, I try to, wear a shirt that uh, doesn't have uh, wrinkles in it so that I look nice up in front of you guys. You guys know I'm telling stories. We, we don't even have an iron in the house. <laughs> but I've heard that if you leave an iron on a, a piece of clothing too long, it burns. As a matter of fact, I heard a guy who uh, had a, a pair of breeches, and they were his favorite ones, and uh, he loved them so much. And his wife one day was ironing them. And she accidentally <coughs> left the iron sit too long. Burn a hole through his pants. Oh, the husband was not happy. And he was about to lose his head and just chew her out and lecture her for ruining his best pair of bridges. Now he doesn't have any to wear anymore. <coughs> but then he, he stopped thought about it for a second and he changed his perspective well at least my leg wasn't in the pair of pants <laughs> <laughs> and she was ironing being thankful for everything in all circumstances Matthew Henry is a a well-known Bible scholar and a commentator. Uh, once he was robbed 
And uh, after th this fellow was robbed, he wrote something, and it's, it's become a popular quote. I would like to read it to you today. He says, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, let me be thankful that although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. How much thankfulness is packed in to this quote. Thankful that he wasn't robbed before this the first time. And, and he was thankful for... Uh, what had not happened bad in the past, instead of focusing on what is happening now. And he was thankful that uh, of what they did not take, instead of uh, what they did take, they didn't take his life. And then, oh, he was grateful that uh, the things that God had given him, he had uh, worked to use for storing up treasure in heaven. So here on earth, he didn't have much for them to take. And then, alas, uh, he was grateful that he was the one that was being robbed, and he wasn't the one on the other side. How unfortunate would it have been if he would have been desperate enough to have to rob someone himself or uh, break the laws and uh, rob someone of their livelihood. You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, he knew how to be thankful in all situations. We were going through um, the, the uh, missionary trips of the Apostle Paul, and a month ago or so, we left off in Acts chapter 27, and it's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. <laughs> I have a lot of them, but this is about the storm at sea. God has given Paul a mission. God told him that he would preach the good news in Rome. His way to get there was under guard of soldiers. He was in, in prison, and he would be transported to Caesar to appeal his case. And so he was put on a ship, and he was bound for Rome. When he was on the ship, he realized that this was the wrong time of year. And he told them, he says, Men, I believe that there is trouble ahead if we go on. But they didn't listen to him. The owner of the ship and the captain, they said, Oh, we'll be fine. And so they continued to sea. And when they were at sea, the wind started to blow. And it continued to blow. And the sailors, they did things to prepare the ship. They tied ropes all the way around it, as customary, to try to keep the ship together from the waves that would be pounding against it. And they started to throw some of the things that they didn't need as bad, some of the things that weren't worth as much. They threw it overboard to lighten the ship whatever they did, but the wind continued to blow and the storm began to build. Verse 27 says that on the 14th night of the storm, 
The storm had been building and brewing and, and getting worse and blowing for 14 days now. And on the 14th day, they dropped a weight, a weighted line, and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A little later on, they dropped it again and found that it was only 90 feet deep. If you're a sailor, sailor, you know that this is bad news. When the wind is blowing your ship and you can't even put up a sail because it will tear it off and you're at the mercy of the storm and the water is getting more and more shallow, land is coming. Land, sometimes a good thing, but not when you're being driven towards it in a huge wooden ship that has to be docked in the canal that's made for it. This is bad news. And here they come towards the land, and they begin to panic, and the sailors, uh, some of them tried to abandon the ship. <coughs> they tried to jump off, but Paul said, don't. Everyone uh, stays on the boats not a hair on your head will be harmed. And so they took the lifeboat that they were tempted to get in, and they cut it loose and set it out to sea. And just as day was dawning in the middle of the storm, in the eye of the storm, Paul recognized that all these sailors, all 276 of them, hadn't ate. You know, they had neglected the very thing that would give them the strength that they need to keep that boat in one piece or to swim to shore if they had to. So in the eye of the storm, Paul says, stop. Let's eat something. And then he took the bread and he gave thanks to God before they left. Paul said, just take a moment here in the middle of the storm and thank God. And after that, Scripture says all 276 of them were encouraged and they began to eat and they lightened the, the cargo further by throwing it overboard. And in the morning they seen the coastline. And they thought maybe they could run the boat into the shore and then jump off and swim, but it struck too fast, too far out, and the wind and the waves uh, struck the stern of the boat and broke it to pieces. And the commander said, everyone who can swim, jump off now. Those of you who can't, grab a hold of a piece of plank and uh, make to shore when the ship is destroyed. And you know, Paul... He had things to do. He had an agenda. That agenda was set by God. The things that he had to do was to glorify God and to do his will. Paul wasn't, wasn't looking back and wasn't stressed out about losing his life. The ship did crash. And everyone Verse 44, escaped safely to shore. 
here's what I want us to know. If you are married, and I know some preacher why you preach about marriage. If you've only been here for the last couple weeks, that's what I've been preaching on. It's one of our pillars, uh, pillars this year, 2021. We have four pillars. Uh, number one, we did uh, uh, leadership. And we're building leadership, and so we went through the book of Nehemiah. And number two, we are building community connections. And so we went through uh, these missionary journeys of Paul and looked at how uh, Paul went to them and, and spoke to these places. And then even when he went back, he continued to write letters to them, supporting them, community connections. And in our, our third pillar was to, to uh, build facilities. And I, you know, we were hoping that God had plan for us to have a, a brand new big old church uh, this year, which we've got a lot done on our land. Our, our um, building fund has grown, and that's that's been blessed by God for sure, but I think he had something else in plan. You know, sometimes uh, people have ideas, and, and, and God, you know, kind of laughs because he knows better. And so we find uh, that we have a thrift shop, which is done amazing things for our community connections. And we have a youth center that we are about to get in in business or cleared out so that we can use it for the youth. And so we built facilities. And the fourth pillar for this year is building our marriages. So that's why I'm talking about marriages here lately. If you are married and you're in the middle of a storm, because it happens, no marriages are perfect. If you're not married, someday maybe you will be, or maybe you have been, and you know what the storm is like. If things are difficult, and you've been arguing, and, and it looks like you are headed for shore on a vessel that will not make it to shore in one piece, like destruction is inevitable, then throw a line out. I want you to throw a line out and see what the depth is. See what kind of condition your marriage is in. Paul says, stop. I want you to stop in your marriage and thank God for everything that he has blessed you with. I want you to pray with your spouse, thanking God for all the blessings, all the things that you do well together. And I want you to thank God for everything that that person is that doesn't agree with you as well. D don't do that out loud with them, though. I want you to thank God for however he's using you together. And know this for sure, that God created marriage. And he did it because through it, you have things to do. You have an end goal in your marriage, and God gives it to us. Paul had things to do. You notice that after the shipwreck, uh, Paul was on shore, and he didn't give up. He kept on doing the things that would work towards God's will. And so he started collecting firewood. Because uh, he was going to build a fire to stay warm, and he was going to uh, cook some food. And and then when he was collecting firewood, he got bit by a poisonous snake, and everybody around was like, oh, Paul's going to die now. And Paul's like, 
it's no big deal. Uh, I'm going to do God's thing, and if I die, I die, but uh, probably not going to happen because I still haven't been to Rome yet, and that's where God told me to go. And so Paul continues to, to build the fire up and, and to uh, minister to the folks there. Listen, and you're married. If you are in the eye of the storm, I want you to just be thankful that you get to be in a storm. And your marriage is going to be blessed by God if you turn it back to Him with thanks. And it's not easy, I know. I know that's a fact. But the Apostle Paul knew how to be thankful in all situations. And boy, we would do well to learn how to be thankful in all situations. Thankful and blessed. You know how that, there's kind of a a similarity between being blessed and being thankful. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 2 through 12. We read uh, the Beatitudes is what they're called. And Jesus gives us these, uh, these several verses, and it kind of turns upside down what the world thinks is actually a blessing. Verse 2, And he began to teach them. And Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. If we are blessed by God in all the ways that we just read here, then we can be thankful to Him in all of these ways. How can we be thankful about all of that poor uh, mourning um, when we're hungry? And how can we be thankful in those situations? And uh, what, uh, what about in the difficult times um, when we are dealing with all the worldly things? When we know that problems and trials, they help us develop endurance. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, tells us this. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance and develop, uh, develop strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. 
man, if we never, in, uh, ne never developed endurance, we would be pretty miserable people. We'd be pretty miserable to spend time with, imagine it. And God has designed us this way. As a child, when, when you are a small baby, uh, you know, you like to suck on a pacifier. You like to have a, a bottle. And then when it comes time to take that, that pacifier away, boy, well, you throw a fit. You start wailing and crying until, until you get that back because you need that and you want that and you want to absorb it and consume it. It was taken away. A baby whines and cries. You, you ever been around a whole pen full of uh, calves being weaned? Oh, they ball, they noise, and bag just for like five or seven days or something like that. They make the most racket, and they're running around the fence trying to find a way to get out. They lose weight, I've heard, because they're uh, moving around so much, just hollering and, and whining. And boy, if we weren't able to develop perseverance because of difficulty, then we'd be pretty miserable. We would be like that to hang around with. All about after seven days or so, them kids, they calm down. They, they straighten out, and they realize we'll be all right. They had to go through uh, trials and, and problems. Now, we said, that's no problem or trial. You ask the baby uh, or the calf that doesn't have his mama's milk anymore. That's a problem, and that's a trial. And we go through those as we get older. And we can be thankful for those situations. They help us learn how to appreciate and how to be thankful for what we do have. Now we wouldn't know how to wouldn't know how to be thankful if, if we wouldn't have gone through those things. You know, no matter how rough we've got it here on earth, we can be thankful to God that our reward is like this verse says, our reward is in heaven. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight. <coughs> says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. Did you get that? Unshakable is the kingdom that we will be receiving. Let's be thankful. Please God by worshiping Him. <coughs> you know, sometimes, uh, just a few more verses, guys. Sometimes we... We hear a lot about the end times, uh, and I think it's probably all the time, but even now we hear a lot about what's going to happen in the end. Well, we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, but let's rewind a little bit back to give a little bit more uh, context on that verse that says to be thankful in all situations. It says, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, now concerning... How and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the darkness about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. 
For you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness of night. So be on your guard and not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Children of the light and of the day, folks. Uh, John 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness has nothing to appreciate, nothing to be thankful for. But we are children of the light, God's children. The darkness cannot extinguish, cannot overcome the light of Jesus, and it lives in us. And I am thankful for that. So this Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to, to think of three, three different versions of alls, all right? We have three all situations to be thankful in. When you're looking at that big old plate of food and you're together with your family, or when you're in the eye of the storm and things are not good, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says to be thankful in all circumstances. Psalms chapter 103, verse 2 says to be thankful with all that you are. And Philippians verse 6 says to be thankful for all that God has done in all circumstances with all that you are and for all that God has done let us be thankful whether we are poor health or great health whether we've been healed or not whether God has blessed you with plenty or he has blessed you with persecution let us be thankful. God loves us so very much. And for that, we should eternally be thankful. Lord Jesus, we come to you now and we pray that our hearts would be in the right place so that we could offer thanksgiving to you just for all the small things and all the large things and all the things that we think are good and all the things that we think are bad, God. We thank you for them, and most importantly, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus, that we could have eternity in heaven because of his gift of life to us. We are children of the light, God, because you made us that way, and you gave us the opportunity to be that. Praise you. Glory be to your